This is Andrew McLean, creator of Headlopper and Apocalyptic Girl. You are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Nice. You choose. Oh, I'm going with the second one, that's for sure. It was cleaner, leaner, meaner. Unlike me. A bunch of other words that rhyme. I can't come up with right now. Some other third thing. <laughs> Man, the listeners are going to be stoked for this episode. I hope so. Oh, they will be. You know it. I think we were on point. I can see in the future, and it's going to be an awesome episode. Yes. Like my cousin LL said, doing it and doing it and doing it well. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, Jason was even good. Oh my god! Right? You are such a clown. <laughs> I think he was worried about shit or dude, something. Y'all had so, me having sweats for a minute there, dude. I'm sweating I, it. My dude, relax. Seriously, I could not. It's like, bro. bro yeah. Come on. He's like, real though. <laughs> it's mortifying. Yeah, you know, he actually wait, wait, wait. wait it's, he it's, he it's actually really used the word mortifying. <laughs> this is slack. <laughs> this is mortifying. What the hell's wrong with you? Listen. Listen, Linda, it's one thing if it's our homie, and it is what it is, but, you know, when you have someone on that we don't have any personal relationship with, especially someone that, let's be honest, has very little history that we know of doing media, you don't, you know, it's, uh, All right. you don't show up late for work, you know what I mean? Aside from one anomaly in the history of this show, has it not always come out okay? There was that one time. Still makes it work. The that Fabian was... affair. <laughs> no. No. No, because oh. I never happened. <laughs> I thought you meant the time it didn't actually happen. No. No, 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 no. We're talking about an actual. There's, there's a little flip flop in that went on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, right. But other than that, they've all come out stellar, I think. I yes. think so. Yeah. That was great. We're can't good. wait for I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Yes. But this is foreshadowing. And we don't want to do that because we're going to tell you right now. This is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 533. And I am now an extremely relaxed Vince B. But I was yeah. not an hour and a half ago. Oh, I wasn't texting yeah. people and shit like, oh, my God, dudes, I'm all fucking. <laughs> I'm all turnt. Yeah. I'm, I'm swole. Hey, man, it's all right. Sorry, I take this stuff seriously. No, I'm oh, okay. here we go. Oh, yeah. All right, whatever. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you're a very relaxed, Vince B. I am a very mellow David A. Price. Indeed, you are in coming to comic book stores in 2019. I am your newest favorite protagonist, Hope Red Hood. Okay. And that would be in something we are going to talk about in a little while? Perhaps. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. And you know where you can get that comic featuring Hope Red Hood? Discount Comic Book Service. Exactly. Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. One more time. DCBService. 
Service.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a mere pittance, a fraction, a slice of the original price, which makes it extra nice. For example, the DCBS site has been updated, finally, and the discounts are amazing. We've been talking about this book for a while now. From Marvel, you can get The Avengers... No Surrender hardcover. Yep, yep, yep. Which contains Avengers 675 to 690. Mm. That's a whole heaping bunch of issues there. Cover price on this book is $50. Damn. But not for you. Nope, nope, nope. You are going to pay $25. That is nice. That is $50 percent off you will so not it's like a buck fitty an issue right yeah right. also from marvel i'm sorry this is the very first time in the history of 11 o'clock comics that i have pimped marvel books twice for the dcbs spot but from marvel written by scotty young art by nick klein it's deadpool number one whoop, whoop. Merkin for a living. He's such a jerk. He is is such a jerk. Merkin for a living. It's Deadpool. One person. Who can stop it? Oh, no, wait. It's not Wade. It's, oh, shit. It's Wade. Parental advisory. Cover price, $4.99. Yeah. But... (laughs) What the hell? You you are smart and go to DCBService.com and you will only pay $2.49 for this book. Written by our good friend, lovey-dovey, Scotty Young. That's a boy right there. I know. And, well, you know what? Screw it. Let's go three for three. Wow. For Marvel... (laughs) I'm, I'm no number three. No, yeah, bullshit. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> this Bastard. is an omnibus. It's a hardcover. It's written by Warren Ellis. It's Hellstorm, which collects Hellstorm. Oh my God, what? What? <laughs> Go ahead. Dude, this series was good. Um, e- collecting mm. Hellstorm, Prince of Lies, number 12 to 21, and Druid. One to four. It has a parental advisory written by Warren Ellis. Um, art by, was it Mark Beecham? Who drew this? I don't, don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember, but it's good. I remember it being very good. Uh, cover price is $75. Woohoo! Your okay. price, because you are in the know and know where to go, DCBService.com has it for $37.50. Of course they do. 50% off. It's boys' pants all around. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions and get your books all shipped right to your door. You don't have to do nothing but get off the couch, pick up your box, and just revel in the comic booky goodness. Go there. Be square. Now, I'm going to switch them up next time because three Marvels is not going to fly for the whole month. So yeah, right. this was just doesn't an impromptu. Feel, feel right coming from your mouth. No, it was an impromptu thing. I had to big up my man Scotty. I had to give Avengers No Surrender some love. And this Hellstorm thing is pretty good. So 
next week or next episode foreshadowing dun, dun, dun. yeah mm-hmm. you'll get a different a, a, a different look into what's available on massive discount at this discount comic book service there's a reason why discounts in the name take it away you know what i would love to know why you are so loose-lipped and so <laughs> relaxed and chill it's and this goddamn wine that's why <laughs> and what wine would that be well Thanks to our very good friend, uh, Caleb Alexander McKenzie. I got a care package in the mail. (gasps) Yes, he sent me some wine. Not just any wine, but a wine that is aged in a bourbon barrel. So I am pseudo David Price this week, and I am drinking uh, Cabernet Sauvignon called Augment. From um, uh, vinted and bottled by Augment Wines, Hopland, California. So it's the Augment Cabernet Sauvignon, and it's very good. Augmented with that bourbon barrel, so and it's, it's almost like it. it's almost gone. <laughs> of course, it is. Because it's not. It's not your big ass jug. This no, these are the shit. kind of bottles that usually last Jason and I like. You know, an episode and a half. Yep. Uh, no, I ain't having it. It's gonna be gone. Oh yeah, no tonight. Oh be nice. Gone, but uh, all right. And what about you, Jason? I also have a shout out to the one and the same, Mister Caleb McKenzie, our brother from another mother, who graciously sent me a package. And in keeping with the fact that the man knows us, he did not send me bourbon barreled wine because it's not my scene. He sent me some beer, and it is uh, from North Coast Brewing Company, Old Rasputin Russian Imperial Stout, and it is fantastic. And I will also add that uh, – so if you know people that know stouts, it's, it's a, it's a, this is a dark one. It's a, it's a dark, intense beer, really one of my favorite kinds, um, none of that IPA BS. And wait, 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 wait. it's – it's nine percent alcohol by volume. Nine, nine percent. That's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. But much love, Caleb. And um, while we're at it, since we are talking about him and his ears are burning, um, before Dap tells us what he's imbibing, shout out to Caleb and his husband, and to the dozens of other brothers and sisters of ours who are descending upon Chicago and the Cormac Center for C2E2 this coming weekend. Uh, Caleb is making the trip there. Um, we unfortunately opted not to go this year, so we're not going to get a chance to meet him yet in person, but I'm sure they're all going to have an awesome time. And uh, shout out to uh, Chris uh, Revikant because the man is always one to put together a Chicago-based get-together in our honor when we're in town. Yep. And uh, even though we won't be there, he is opening his home. So he's insane. He's insane. But he's opening his home to all of the uh, many heathens and sh- and sheathens who listen to our show uh, for an EOC uh, community get-together uh, this weekend. So uh, shout-out to all of you. We all hope you have an amazing time without us. And uh, hopefully we'll see you at a con soon. For the record, I wanted to go, but the other two guys shot me down. <laughs> Whatever. Right? Did you just yeah. make that word up, sheathens, or is that like a thing? I did. Like I it? like it. It's yeah. very intelligent. 
Thank you. Almost as if it came from DAP. Like, oh, speak, speaking of coming from DAP, what uh, what's uh, going down your gullet right now? Uh, well, I I do not have any shout outs for this evening. Uh, Caleb was nice enough to hook me up a few weeks ago, uh, and that wine is long gone. So, um, I had my eye on something that I did not open for tonight because it didn't feel right. Uh, so instead, because it was a nice chill evening, I decided to, uh, just sip on some of the old standby, the Mato Backbone Cabernet Sauvignon. Yep. I respect that. Respect. Respect. Big ups to Caleb. Oh, no doubt. Big ups. Yep. Doing life right. His, His social media stuff always makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing it right. He's uh, one of those people that lives his life in a way that uh, makes me think, like, wow, I'm not a good person. Because he's, like, such a good person. Like, it's like, wow, I don't, like, I don't live my life with that kind of graciousness and giving like he does. It took him for you to realize? You're kind of nuts. Wow. But that's that's okay. Wow. Wait, what'd you say, Vince? I I said he's kind of (laughs) nuts. Shots fired. What's happening? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, what's yes. been going on, guys? Um, we have a very, very special interview that y'all are about to hear with none other than J.H. Williams the Third and his wife, Wendy, both of which... Whoa. Where's my book? Oh, both of which are spearheading an anthology coming out of Image Comics called Where We Live. And it's very important. It's, um, it's a benefit anthology for the Las Vegas uh, school shooting. And um, you need to listen to this because we get into a lot of uh, not only the anthology, which is essential on its own, but we get into a bunch of different topics. And uh, I think y'all will enjoy this. Uh, sit tight, enjoy the interview, hopefully, and we will be back to talk about some other stuff. If we have it in us. I don't know if we do. That maybe, know, that's take a lot out of us. Maybe mm-hmm. we, we will. So, you know, we'll be back. We'll be yeah. here. Go. Go listen, and we're, we're coming back. And we, we told you all this was going to be a very special episode. And uh, sure enough, it is here upon us. It is our, our great pleasure to welcome... Um, two guests to the show this evening. Um, our first guest is, uh, fair to say, considered by many, including his peers, to be uh, one of the preeminent artists of his generation. Uh, I believe, by my count, he is an 18-time Eisner and Harvey nominee, uh, co-creator of Promethea, alongside Alan Moore, uh, Desolation Jones with uh, Warren Ellis, uh, many of you probably know him from his historic five-plus-year run. Uh, first as the artist alongside Greg Rucka, and then as the co-writer uh, and artist alongside Hayden Blackman on the adventures of Kate Kane as Batwoman in uh, a number of DC books. And certainly, um, last but not least, most recently, as Neil Gaiman's uh, partner on the incomparable Sandman Overture, uh, it is our distinct pleasure to welcome to the show... Mr. J.H. Williams III. Welcome, J.H. Hello. And, Hello. and I, as I mentioned, we have two guests, and, and that is 
JH's wife and uh, and partner Wendy is joining because she is also uh, intimately involved as the co-curator of the uh, the first project that we're going to talk about this evening. So Wendy, welcome as well, as well to the show. Hello there. Great. So um, it, it's our pleasure. Um, so we we definitely look forward to uh, to chatting about a bunch of, of stuff related to, uh, to to your career, JH. But but certainly, uh, I think the the impetus and the timing for this is um, to promote something I think that's uh, near and dear to your heart. Certainly, as the curators, but certainly I think something that we we're very much um, looking forward to supporting as well. And that's um, that is an anthology that, that was born out of the fact that, that October of, of last year, I think October 1st, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Las Vegas, um, where you both reside, uh, was witness, unfortunately, to, to the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history with um, almost 60 people uh, killed and, and, and more than 800 others injured. And I know that after that event, um, you all being residents of Las Vegas announced plans for uh, a project to help benefit the families and the survivors. And that has has become um, the anthology uh, published through Image Comics, known as "Where We Live," um, which will be released on May thirtieth of uh, this year, so about two months from now. And uh, you two are the the curators of the project, and and I know that there is a an absolute jaw dropping list of um, of collaborators, uh, both a combination of of, of well known uh, industry creators, but but also. Um, and I think one of the really neat things about this, um, uh, a, a lot of creators who are, who are local people who are either um, directly or tangentially involved in the incident. And, um, and, and I think it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. I think we're all uh, looking forward to, to learning more about it. But, uh, but maybe we could, we could start back at the, at the impetus of this and, and, and in your, your, both your words, just maybe talk us through um, you know, your experiences there and, and what led you to, uh, to, to deciding to embark on this very auspicious project. Okay. Um, well, um, I mentioned this a bit in the essay I wrote for Image Plus magazine. Um, my wife and I, we were at a friend's wedding in California, um, away from home uh, that weekend that this incident occurred. And that Sunday night, we got back to our hotel room and, um, you know, you check Twitter as you do, you know. Um, and the first post that was up when I went on to Twitter was from, uh, I believe, Tess Fowler saying that there was an active shooter in Las Vegas. And my first reaction, you know, immediately was disbelief. And I think I even blurted out that, is this a joke? And within seconds, clearly is not a joke. Um, and we uh, turned on the news and started following the news. And then started trying to reach out to people we know and love here to make sure that everyone is safe. Um, and then uh, we ended up getting a hold of one of our dear friends who's like a fa like family to us who uh, works on the strip and she was under lockdown. Um, we managed to get her on the phone eventually. And of course, you know, she's rightfully terrified. Um, concerned about her own safety and the, I think the most difficult thing about that for me um, was trying to trying to convey to her that she'll be okay um, she's asking if she's going to be okay and at that moment 
our gut instinct is to tell her that she's going to be okay, even though we for ourselves don't really know. We're not there. We can't assess what's happening because it's it's happening at that moment. Um, and she's been told, you know, that there's a shooter in her building and that's why they're under lockdown and all this kind of stuff. And There was um, also uh, a lot of prank calls where... Oh yeah. Uh, people, people were saying that there were bombs in all the casinos and uh, stuff like that, and so they don't know. She doesn't know if she has a bomb in her building. All she, you know, she knows that there's SWAT teams everywhere. Um, and and you know, I I had to listen to my wife speak to her. I'm sitting there listening to their conversation. And what haunts me, even to this day when I think about it, is eventually we have to hang up the phone. Our friend has to call other loved ones and friends and express her feelings to them. Um, And having to hang up that phone, you know, at 2, 3 in the morning. And you kind of have to sit there with that. that. That haunted me and haunted my thoughts about what that must feel like for my wife telling her dear friend she's going to be okay when we don't know and we have to hang up that phone. Yeah, we don't know, you know, you know, everybody still didn't know what the circumstances were and, and uh, if the, if it was a lone gunman or not. Um, how long before you were and, able to, uh, I'm sorry, how long before you were able to speak to her again? Um, we, uh, were able to speak to her the next day. Um, she messaged when she was on her way home. Yeah, she, okay. she messaged us, she texted us when she finally was released from the, um, from the, uh, hotel she works at. It's like five or six in the morning, maybe? That's a long yeah, few hours. Yeah, and, you know, I, we don't, I, you don't know if this is the last time you're going to speak yeah. to this person. Um, and, you know, we couldn't get a hold of other people that we know that work the, the strip, and so we don't know. We, I mean, you had no idea. I mean, and that that was the thing. It was, you felt so helpless. It's like, not like you're going to, you know, run down there and save the day, but it's like, there's about being in an entirely different state, how uh, helpless you feel um, to, you know, do anything or, or you know, take care of someone and at the same time our friend is telling us because you know we're trying to tell her that we're so sorry we're not there and she's t- you know wanting to be protective of us she's like i don't want you here it's not safe here um that kind of conversation was taking place and you know but you know she she ended up being safe after all i mean she still has you know when she thinks about it 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 brings up a lot of emotions for her um, but then as the week, when we got home the next day, um, as the week went by, I, I don't know, you, you see the comics industry rally behind things like this in the past. Um, and someone will announce that they're going to do some sort of benefit somehow. And I kept waiting to see something happen and, and I wasn't seeing it or I just wasn't looking in the right places. I don't know. And so, in you know, in the middle of the night, that following Friday, I just was randomly thinking about this and just and i just started blurting out like i you know how do you even do something like this i I wouldn't know the first thing about trying to make this happen and i just kept going on and on about it but by the next morning i had other 
you know, professionals and other people who care about what happened start reaching out to me. And, and I ended up talking to Wendy about it, and that's sort of how the ball got rolling at that point. Yeah, I mean, it, it was the, that was one thing I was so proud of with uh, Vegas is, you know, we get accused of not having culture or community here quite often. Uh, and how everyone rallied together. And you felt, you kept feeling like, okay, there's something more that we can do. I, I guess because it was just so huge. And, um, you know, this is something uniquely that we could do. And um, we, had, we had an understanding of the need to, I think, because, you know, you have the numbers of people killed was extremely high. But what what went well beyond that was I couldn't stop thinking about the numbers because the number of people injured was just so exorbitantly high. And the type of weapon that was used to harm these people, you know, I kind of had an inkling that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have a lot of long-term need for maybe possibly the rest of their lives. And so I was like, in some small way, maybe putting something together like this can help some of them and that's where our, our minds were at. Yeah. And, and we, we um, decided pretty early on that um, we wanted to do something more than a pinup book, you know, as lovely as those things are to raise money. And, you know, that's fantastic. Uh, we, we wanted, we kind of felt like it was so big. It was, it was felt like, we had to do more to address the situation and honor the people that this happened to than, you know, pinups. Um, uh, we, so we decided pretty early on to, um, you know, do stories and the, you know, it's the, the issue is so um, volatile and, everyone is so polarized and it just seems like we can't have a civil conversation. And so we thought maybe, you know, might be humorous on our part, but we thought maybe if we kind of came around to talking about it in a different way, you know, through, through this unique art form that, you know, maybe we can uh, get people thinking and, and so that we can address this issue because, you know, I mean, look at how many shootings we've had since then. You know, the, this one, you know, this one was so horrific, and it's like you would think. Well, you know, honestly, you know, Sandy Hook, you thought would probably yeah. be the last straw, but you know, uh, the fact that we had this one on top of that, and then the Parkland kids, and then the Parkland kids, and, and the, some of the other, the, Flor the other Florida shooting, yeah. and you know, and it's just like uh, I, I refuse to believe that this is just going to be the new normal. I, 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 I'm not, I don't know if I can tolerate that. It's not normal to have. I think we all, yeah, I think we all so concur. We're all, for sure. we're all on there. Right. So, so, so if I, know, we wanted, oh, please. Yeah. So we, we just wanted to do something a little more meaningful that maybe gets people to think to, to you know, to maybe, uh, you know, people can address their concerns in a different way and and maybe it will make a little more headway and as well as we wanted to honor the people that it happened to you know that that was the other thing that's kind of where the title came from as well is that 
you know, my friend uh, works at a very high-end restaurant and a hotel on the Strip. And so what a lot of people don't get is, like, all these people had to go to work the very next day. Mm-hmm. And I had to drive by all the blood and all the cordon off streets and serve people that, of course, the thought, they're not going to talk about anything else. And a lot of the media was there by that point. And so she's serving media. And, you know, they're, they're, they've seen everything. So you can't really blame them. But, you know, the way that they speak about the city and the people that it happened to, you know, is, seems very harsh to the person that's serving them that lives here. And, you know, she just wanted to just yell at them, you know, we, we live here. <laughs> And, you know, you're talking about my community. And um, so it's kind of dehumanized. And that was what we wanted to bring back to it is, you know, to humanize these people. Um, And and the title where we live also speaks to the nation as well, not just Mm -hmm. about Las Vegas. Um, It's where we live as a society and what we choose to allow in our lives and our hearts and minds. Where do we live in that? What are we how can we accept the, these kinds of atrocities occurring on a regular basis in our, in our, in our lives and communities and not do anything and not do anything. It's like an insidious spider web that has spread out. So, you know, as much as Las Vegas has touched other parts of the, the nation's heart, um, many of the other incidences have done that as well. It's just, it just keeps spreading and spreading and, you know, it just feels like some, it, it can't continue to be like this. Um, and how we solve that, we don't know. And the book doesn't purport to have the answers about that. Uh, but it poses a lot of interesting questions and it poses a lot of what people are feeling about it. Um, uh, and, you know, um, get some of the perspectives in there of some of the people who were eyewitnesses to the event as well as local people in the area who, like you were saying, tangentially were connected, um, as well as getting people from across the nation and even in some other countries. Creators from other countries are involved in this who can have an interesting perspective on what is taking place here, not just about Las Vegas, but about the problem as a whole. Yeah, and that was another goal is that, you know, uh, because we do actually have a pretty tight community here we wanted to make sure that we had as many local creators as possible so you know we have a lot of uh, local writers and artists involved Um, uh, we team them up with you know veterans of our industry uh, to kind of you know get their story illustrated or uh, be able to tell the story that they wanted to tell so, you know, we try to have as much local involvement. We have local journalists also that are contributing pieces. Yeah. Uh, we have a local poet. Yeah, uh, stylistically, the book is interesting on a creative aspect because, you know, the bulk of it is comics, but, you know, we wanted to take it farther than that, not just, you know, pigeonhole it into comics. So there, there's quite a few essays and there's some poetry in there as well. And then, you know, the the written voices and the visual uh, illustration voices, you know, are quite a variety of material and content. Some of it is 
you know, painterly. Some of it is more cartoonish in style, and it allows the material to kind of be conveyed and the messages being to be conveyed in um, a, a variety of ways, I guess, to, you know, that yeah, people we, can we, receive it. We didn't want to box anyone in. I mean, we really had no mandate uh, other than uh, whatever you're going to speak about, uh, we're not, we didn't want anything reactionary. Uh, it's, everybody is angry. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. Uh, but we wanted the conversation to be thoughtful. So, you know, we, uh, we put out a mission statement to our creators and, um, that, you know, whatever it is, it cannot be reactionary. You have to be thoughtful about your message that if you're citing facts that we need that annotated in the script and, you know, stuff like that so that, you know, we're just not pulling stuff out of thin air. Now, without and, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, without naming names, did anybody have an issue with that caveat, or or were they just, or is there uh, anybody you had to rein no, in? No, uh, no, no. no uh, actually, we ended up not having to rein anyone in. We did have some creators struggle a little bit as far as like what to say, what to say, okay. because all all they had to say was something ang- <laughs> super angry. The, um, the result of that was interesting because some of the people that that came to, you know, email back saying, I'm having trouble figuring out what to say, I would act as a sounding board for some of them, or I would suggest to them, we'll talk about that you're having trouble of what to say. Make that your story. Um, and yeah, we, have a, we have a couple that kind of come at it from that point of view. Yeah, and, and then we, we, like I said, we didn't really mandate, you know, uh, anything that they could talk about. Uh, we had subjects that we'd like covered, you know, that we put out there, but uh, we basically left it to them on, on how they wanted to express themselves, and that's also why there's quite a few different types of expression with the essays and the poetry and, you know, uh, that kind of stuff, because we just didn't, we just wanted people to be free to be able to say what they needed to say. All right. I think yeah. rage, rage is the obvious um, and initial approach to this you just it, it's such a an, an, a terrible terrible incident that's the initial reaction is rage but i think uh, your approach your measured approach is amazing because if there's one thing that's going to get the collective beast to prick up its ears it's not force or violence or mm-hmm. it, it's art art's going to do it right. especially so. well especially art delivered from a position of honesty. I mean, you don't have to know all the facts and the figures of, of, of every shooting that ever happened or, or experience what these people went through. As long as you can state a, a position with honesty and compassion and try to approximate or, or just some type of understanding, I think that layer upon layer upon layer is what's going to finally get that collective to to take notice it's it's going to be tough right yeah yeah and i would almost say it's more of a search for understanding because i mm-hmm. don't know i speak about this a little bit in uh, a written interview that i just did um that i know i my my i myself i can't i can't understand what's happening and i think many people feel that way um and i don't know if we can come to any real understanding about 
why this is happening. Uh, I think it would take a significant study to figure out the whys. We know the hows. That's clear. You know, it's it's people getting access to weapons of war. But the whys that it's happening. Yeah, why someone chooses to snap like that. And, and, and that it's happening so often, that's, that's a deeper metaphysical question that the country has to ask itself. I think the universe yeah, and, won't and, tolerate this. Something is going to break sooner or later. Um, I, yeah, I hope so. I mean, you know, we, we interviewed a lot of witnesses, and well, that was very difficult. And emotionally tough. Emotionally tough and heartbreaking. You know, mm. you're trying to keep it together, you know, because this person is, you know, telling you their story, and, you know, you have to try to be sort of objective and, and you don't want to break down in front of them either. Right, <laughs> right, sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's just, you know, it, <laughs> when another shooting happens, it's, it really brings up a lot for me having interviewed these people. Right. And what they went through and what they saw. And, like, one of, one of the uh, witnesses that's in the book is a 14-year-old girl. And... What she went is, you know, she's never going to be the same. And that makes you really sad mm. and uh, angry. And but at the same time, the way she speaks about it and the way she conducts herself is amazing. I mean, she's an amazing young woman. And, but at the same time, you know, the fact that she experienced what she did is extremely heartbreaking, you know the fact that she's so young and and st- it, it's a, that one was a tough one to to uh to take in yeah she um is a police officer's daughter mm. and she was there with her mother who was a police officer off duty at the time and um you know we're we're on the other end of the line and trying to keep it together and you know she is very Matter of fact. Matter of fact, I don't know if that's being a cop's kid and, you know, very, uh, detail, very detail oriented and, uh, uh, to get just to, I just couldn't get over how together she was. And then it's like later, you couldn't stuff help but being impressed by her. Yeah, because she was just so mature and, you know, we didn't know what we were going to get when we, you know, got a hold of this 14 year old girl. And, uh, yeah, she she you know even compared to other witnesses, she was completely together. And then later, you know, it was kind of like I don't know if it was the initial conversation. She was so matter of fact, mm-hmm. and, and then later on, you know, you were starting to hear like how she is being affected. I don't know if she yeah. needed more time or whatever, but like this girl and it's her story. The writer ends up speaking to how she's feeling currently, right? Um, which is really powerful. Yeah, it's very powerful, and you know, I mean, this kid went to school the next day. I don't, mm. I don't even know. I, yeah. don't, I don't know if you're just in shock, so you just do what you normally do. Uh, but uh, she was amazing and just blew us away. And her story is very powerful. And that's just you know one example. Uh, and for us, you know, uh, that was what was taunting about taking on the eyewitness accounts is. 
you know, we only have a handful of pages to try to convey what these people experienced for each one of them because, you know, when you're dealing with an, a charity project, um, you know, you're you're basically asking creators to do free work, and that makes right. it hard to get, you know, stories of sizable length. Um, so to give the proper weight and, and um, importance to each one of those stories was, I think, tough for each of the writers, but I have to commend them. I think they've all done a tremendous job um, with it, as yeah. well as the fictional and allegorical content that you'll find in this book. Everyone has brought, you know, the, the, the highest level of thinking they can yeah. to the mm-hmm. material. Yeah, we we didn't know what we were going to get in the beginning, but I mean, everyone has done an amazing job and just gone above and beyond. Yep. And I mean, we are so so grateful. Yep. That they made the effort for this. Did you yeah. have a? Um, I'm sorry, but the um, did everybody did, did did you give everybody set page limits, or was it just however the story you want to tell? Uh, at, at first, we were saying six to eight pages, or eight to ten pages, or something like yeah, that. We kind of originally, but then we quickly realized, oh, that's, that's a big good. ask when it comes <laughs> down to doing the artwork. Yeah. Right. The, writer, the writers have problems. But right. The artists have. <laughs> so, so, about a quarter of the way through the process, we're like, oh no, 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 we got to we got to we got to lower the page counts because it it was getting quickly difficult to find artists that could handle that kind of task. Um, uh, in a timely manner uh, with all their other commitments that mm-hmm. they have to contend with. So we ended up going, you know, on average four to six pages. Um, but the, so the end result is some, some stories are eight pages long. Some are six pages, some are four. We have a couple, you know, that one pagers or two pagers. And that's why there's such a wide uh, swath of creators involved because, you know, there is a lot of very, very short stories that poignant. They're all poignant, um, and uh, so. But in some ways, I guess that's good that it's a wide range of yeah page content, page counts. Mm-hmm. How um how did it end up at Image? Why well, um, did Image decide well, to publish it? That weekend, I think it might have been that very weekend yeah. that I was going on about it. On, uh, uh, I, I messaged Eric Stevenson and said, hey, um, what do you guys think about this? I mean, we're thinking about doing this. And I had already had another project set up there. So for me, it was kind of a natural go-to. And Eric was, you know, of course, yes, we, we should do this. We have to do this. Um, and, and they've been gracious beyond yeah. the, you, what you can imagine. Yeah, we. I mean, we could not say enough about them they have just been so generous you know we thought well okay how many pages are you gonna give us and you know eric was like well let's see what comes in first and uh we'll go from there and we're then we're getting a lot of content and uh he just never blinked he's just like whatever you need and you know we're getting over 200 pages and I'm like, are you still sure about this? <laughs> and it's, it's been no problem. There's never been any... No, no hesitation. Hesitation. Um, he's just basically letting us do whatever we need to do. 
to, you know, do the best project that we can. Even, even all the way down to how we want to design the book. So mm -hmm. what I mean by that is eyewitness stories, we didn't want to just group them all together in one section of the book. We wanted to spread them through the book. Mm -hmm. But then we also thought, like, well, how do we make sure that each one feels like it has its own weight and importance and space um, so they all feel very much respected in, on equal terms. And we wanted to separate them from fictional stories or allegorical stories that right. might follow. And Will Dennis, our editor, um, I had a conversation with him about design, and he came up with this idea that was really unusual, and that was to place a design page in front and back of each one of those individual stories, which by the end means an added 30 pages just for design. And when I mentioned that to Eric, I, you know, I thought for sure that would be something that they'd have a tough time with because, you know, every, you know, number of pages adds to the printing costs. Right. So, but he was like, that sounds fantastic. He's like, that's, that's really an interesting idea and really great. And so, I mean, literally no hesitation from image about this. That's fantastic. So, so is that mean that then there's, so it's 15 first-hand accounts or, or, or true accounts within the, the the broader context then? Is that... Yeah, I think there's... Maybe maybe it's more like uh, 10 or 11, mm -hmm. but then there's tangent, tangential Las Vegas perspectives that we okay. felt should also be part of that, who, you know, people who lived in this community and are speaking directly to the issue of what happened that night. Um, some of them or journalists, local journalists, that um, are also included in that. Um, one of them, Daniel Hernandez, actually um, wrote a sequential piece, a comics piece, and then another local journalist did an essay. Um, and both of them are speaking about what it was like for them that night, um, covering it and what it, and the aftermath. Mm. One of the things that I think that um, excites me about this is that um, as you noted, a, a lot of times when uh, other tragedies have happened, I do think that uh, the human spirit does rise up, and there's there's often um, you know co collaborative efforts to help support in any way they can. Sometimes financially, sometimes in other ways, and uh, you know often it could be you know concerts or, or telethons or things like that. But one of the things that I, I love conceptually about this is that um, because it's 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 a published book, uh, you know, there's a permanence to it, and, and Getting back to you know something you all were just saying earlier, it, one of the, the, the true tragedies of, of of these things that is I think the transience of it, the uh, the ethereal nature, in that um, in, inherently when they happen, um, you know a good chunk of, of, of the world and the you know the the populace is focused on it, but um, but, but unfortunately just because life goes on, um, there's a bit of a transience and it kind of fades away into the background for for most. Um, Obviously, that, that never it never fades away for the victims or, or the survivors. But, but the idea that right. that um, rather than it, and, and I don't want to discount something like a telethon or a concert that 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 raises you know funds and awareness for for issues. But but at least there'll be a this will be a permanent reminder uh, of the incident, and hopefully in its own way, sort of serve as a almost like a, a cosmic touchstone to to remind everyone that the conversation has to continue. So I, I think there's something pretty cool about that. So. That's kind of kind of what we were aiming for. And then, because you know, we felt like if we talked about, you know, like some of the stories are about like 
growing up with guns and stuff like that, and that it was it was broader than the immediate incident that it would have a shelf life and you know you could come back to it and, and like hopefully these kids in parkland make the book kind of irrelevant other than you can come back to it and say okay this is the way we're not going to go back to the old way right in, um, in the introduction for the book i had mentioned something similar to what you're saying and the fact that yes the book is for las vegas but it's for the nation as well it's for uh, every community that might be affected by gun violence um and like wendy was saying you know maybe miracles of miracles that something will happen and this book the book's need for its current message will become irrelevant and it will serve as a reminder not to go backwards um and serve it serve in that way you know that purpose so yeah that's great. I mean, so so as you as you said, I mean, when you when you first got this idea, you said you didn't the first thing about how to make this happen, and it sounds like through your own efforts and, and help from people like Will and 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 uh, and Eric and the other folks in Image, it it started to come together. But um, you know, how much of a Herculean task logistically is this? And, and I asked this kind of in the context of, I guess, a little presumptuous, J.H., in the sense that um, we've never spoken before, but being a fan of your work, I, I know that you are certainly meticulous in your approach to art. So um, <laughs> h- how, you know, how how much of a logistical uh, challenge was this to get all this together? And and because of the nature of the project, were, were most of the creators really good about, about getting, you know, hitting their deadlines and getting the stuff to you quickly? Um, the, it was, it was extremely daunting, much more work than we anticipated. I mean, we knew it was going to be hard work, but. Right. But it, it's, it's been months, months of our lives. I mean, I've. A lot of sleepless nights. I, yeah. I had to set down pretty much every other, all my other work, um, multiple times, um, to, to, uh, put my focus on this because, you know, for Wendy and I some of the logistics were making sure we read every script that came in um, and, and understanding what the creator's trying to say, offering some sort of feedback, whether it's, you know, positive or maybe, you know, hey, maybe, did you think about this idea or something like that, to um, just shuffling, um, you know, materials as they come in and making, keeping track of who's involved and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, this gives, I'm glad you asked this question because this gives me a great opportunity to give a shout out to Michael Perlman, who stepped up at the beginning to offer his help in any way he could, whether it's keeping, you know, a database active uh, as we get more and more people involved or materials coming in. Uh, And he ended up, as time went along, being... Um, sort of a uh, assistant editor, keeping the the trains running and the traffic flow controlled. Um, he's done an amazing job and uh, helping Will Dennis uh, keeping keeping track of everything. It, there's so much, so many moving parts. It was astounding how even between three people and then with Wendy helping curate, how it. Uh, it's just easily to become overwhelming and you could lose track of something. So, um, 
so yeah, I, I hope that answers that. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, uh, trying to get a hold of witnesses, and uh, you know, we were trying. Uh, we we had actually more than what gets ends up in the book, but uh, we had some back out because you know it was just a little too emotionally daunting, and uh, some of them went with a legal thing. I mean, I'm, there's going to be legal stuff for a long time, I'm sure. Mm, sure. Uh, uh, so, you know, and then trying to work around their schedules because they have jobs and, you know, they're going through what they're going through. And you don't want to pester them either. Yeah, you don't want to pester them, but it's like you can't, you have to be a little bit persistent uh, so that, you know, they don't uh, drift on you and we can get the project done. And so that was the challenge as well. And they're not familiar with you know, the process. the process. So, you know, you're having to explain, you know, how, how everything works and how we're going to, you know, hook you up with a writer. So you're not having to write this yourself or anything like that. And, um, there's going to be an artist that, you know, takes care of you, but you know, the likenesses might not be perfect, right. <laughs> you know, um, and kind of going through all this stuff and, you know, and just at every point you have to make sure they're okay. Um, and that they're comfortable, you know, it, in an uncomfortable situation, uh, as comfortable as they could be. Um, yeah, it, it sort of, you know, it operated, I guess you could say, for a, an anthology this size with this number of people involved and creators that, you know, deadlines are deadlines. And, you know, it, that is always tough. There's nothing yeah. that you can do to change that. Um, and every everyone's come through. We're not... We're not sitting here waiting on anyone, so uh, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, yeah, we had, we had moments where we thought, oh, this might fall apart, but uh, yeah. uh, it actually ended up, you know, everybody, after the holidays, I think it was also during the holidays, so kind of the worst time of year to ask anyone to do anything. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it ended up working out and, and you know, we're start. We're starting to be able to breathe now. <laughs> sure. So, so based on on I guess some of the more recent um, disclosures from from Image, it looks like is it is it so is it officially signed, sealed, and delivered? I mean, is it off to the printers? Is is the book done in terms of of your end of it? it the book is done. Uh, we've done the book mapping for the the story flow, and mm -hmm. everything is in uh, Image's production team right now. Oh, we Fantastic. should. Um, so it should be going off to the printer at sometime at the end of this month. And Excellent. if if anybody hasn't uh, ordered it, it is um, it is code M A R one eight zero six zero zero. Right, and and I think um, if I have this right, it is uh, it's going to be over seventy stories, more than one hundred and fifty creators, over three hundred pages. Uh, and I believe it's uh, 19.99 uh, before any direct market discount or anything like that. And I think importantly, um, it's it, for folks that don't know, 100% of the proceeds are going to uh, the, the survivors and the victims uh, of, of the incident, which is amazing. So, uh, so I, again, I, I think we we all thank you for the for the work you all put in to to, to bring this. And I know that uh, I'm personally very excited to. To get uh, my hands on, on on my copy when it uh, hits the stands in two months. 
Thank, thank you. Thank and, you. And I'd also like to say that the cutoff date for the orders, uh, for pre-orders, is April 16th. Yes, exactly. Final final order cutoff, which is uh, anyone that uh, knows the direct market knows how important that is. I, I also wanted to say um, to our listeners that uh, we're pretty stoked because we, when we found out we were going to have the chance to uh, to talk to uh, JH and Wendy about this, um, we reached out to our friends and, and our, our sponsor uh, at Discount Comic Book Service, DCB Service. And uh, basically, I, 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 um, I, I worked out uh, something with them where we are uh, happy to announce that we are going to uh, buy and uh, give away 10 copies of the anthology to uh, our listeners uh, as a way to support the book. Great. And so... Yeah, so we will. Um, oh, absolutely! It's it's our pleasure. So we will. Uh, we will later in the show, um, after we wrap up our chat, uh, we'll, we'll give some details out to the listeners as to how to go about that. But we want to try and um, you know tie it into bringing awareness to the issue. So um, it'll it'll involve you guys uh, and 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 gals out there that listen to the show. Um, if you want to be eligible for the giveaway, we'll have some instructions about um, you know tweeting or, or other means of social media putting out uh, awareness about the book. Uh, and if if uh, if you do that and we can sort of see proof of it, then you'll be eligible to uh, to enter the drawing, and we will uh, hand out the, the ten books to uh, to those eligible. So um, should be pretty cool all around. That's a great idea. Thank you. Oh, it's it's our pleasure, absolutely. So um, well, well, listen, that's great. I mean, I, I don't. Uh, I must admit, uh, normally it's 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 probably a little easier to transition from one topic to another. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> So, so uh, I guess uh, acknowledging that this is probably a, a little more difficult, maybe we could um, stick with Image because you mentioned, you know, that that this kind of came to to be an Image because you were, um, you know, working uh, on something else. And I'm presuming, or I should say, we're presuming that you're talking about your uh, your work on Echo Lands, which is the the book that you and Hayden Blackman uh, and Todd Klein and Dave Stewart uh, announced at uh, the last Image Expo, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I take it that's yeah. uh, great. So what can you yeah. uh, what can you tell us about that? Because I know many of us are um, anxiously awaiting uh, our next uh, visual explosion from you after uh, after what we got from Sandman. Um, well, it's it's uh, going to be quite different from Sandman. Uh, I mean, I guess it's fantastical, like the Sandman Overture was. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is it's an adventure series um that is also sci-fi um but we've created this world where pretty much anything that you can imagine is possible uh in terms of genre and the types of characters you might run into um and there's a big mystery uh surrounding why that is and as the story as that mystery is revealed um all the, the craziness that you might see uh, will suddenly become clear and make sense as to how it was possible. And what I mean by that is, you know, the main character, uh, Hope Red Hood, is sort of like this character that um, might come from a fairy tale type of reality, uh, but then she's friends with this big burly guy who's like a biker hun. Um, one of the companions in their group is a vampire. Um, another is, uh, an elf that's partially, uh, a cyborg, um, to a guy who says he's from old Chicago and he looks like he might have stepped out of Dick Tracy style comic book. Um, and that's just the, you know, the, the little cast that we follow at first. 
Um, but in the backgrounds, when you see crowd scenes and things like that, you're going to see a wide range of styles and strange characters. Um, and we wanted, wanted it to feel like each one of those people you might see comes from some sort of other place. Um, and, the, and that will all sort of um, make sense as we go. The other thing I can say, um, it's going to be somewhat experimental in the way that it moves. Um, it's a different format than a regular uh, comic. Um, it's going to be landscapes, so oh, it's nice. very panoramic. Um, so it reads, it's shorter than it is wide. Um, and so what that means is, like, if I'm doing a double-page spread, which I commonly tend to do, I mean, so far, all the artwork for this has been double-page spread after double-page spread. Um, it will feel like it's just really panoramic and, and spread wide. Um, and the result of that gives an interesting movement to how the visuals feel. Um, some of it might even feel you know, mural-like because of the dimensions and the way you move from the left to the right. And one of the things I'm hoping for that is that for, like I'd say, a digital version, what I really want people to do is, you know, to turn their device on its side and lock it and just scroll from left to right um, and just create this one long flow. Um, so it's been really interesting and challenging uh, experimentally dealing with that kind of layout um, parameter. Uh, what was funny about it for me creatively is, you know, when I first came up with the idea of doing it that way, I was like, oh, it'll be a piece of cake. It's, it's, the, same, it's the same spatial dimensions as a regular comic book page. It's just turned on its side. Uh, no, it was much harder than I realized um, to, uh, to make it, function the way it needs to function uh, so each new each spread and each new layout idea presents uh, a puzzle to be solved um, and it's been much more challenging than I've expected that's always good in, in my opinion but <laughs> that's great and, and how how um how far along are you is it uh, is it going to be like um, I know a lot of image books do kind of the arcs and then you take a break and then come back is it do you have a sort of a, a, an idea for it? Is it a finite series? Is it uh, to be determined? Um, it's uh, going to be considered ongoing. We're not sure. We, we kind of know where we want it to end up, what the ultimate point is that we're going to say by the end of the, of the story, um, that we're not setting ourselves a set number of issues to make that happen. It's going to be a very sizable project, I can tell you that. Um, as far as its scheduling and release, we're still trying to determine that. Um, I'm in the middle of drawing issue three uh, right now, but like I had said earlier, you know, I had to set everything down for months. Um, and our original hopes were to launch Echolands uh, sometime by the end of the year, but I'm not certain that's going to be possible yet because I want to make sure we have... Before, before we even consider soliciting, I want to have five completed issues, and that means lettered, colored, designed, everything put away uh, before we solicit, primarily because it is going to be a long series, and I want to make sure that we can hit a monthly mark for a good chunk of it before needing to maybe ta take a 
uh, a publishing break while continuing to still do more work on it. It's it's interesting um, how it's all going to work out in the end. Um, and in the concept of Echo Land itself, once we get past the first big story that we're doing, um, if it's successful, uh, there's, like I said, because of the world we've created that anything is possible, any type of story is possible, uh, we're hoping it's successful enough that we can branch out and do other things about uh, either the same character or one of the peripheral characters, you know, it just depends on what, what our hearts desire at that point. That's fantastic. So, um, and no surprise that, uh, given who you're partnered with this book, I know you've worked with them all in the past. I mean, was this something, um, was this something that, that, that you and, and, and Hayden had, had, um, conceptualized some time ago, or is it maybe something that was your idea and, and, and uh, you, you brought the team together, or is this something that you kind of came up with knowing that you wanted to work together on something, but you just weren't sure sure which? Which came first, I guess, the chicken or the egg? Yeah, that, it's kind of tough because we've been working on it for such a long time that it's hard to really pinpoint, you know, how it all gelled together originally. Um, the, the one thing I can say is that the, char- the main character in the story, Hope Red Hood, is based on a character idea I came up with as a child um, and I've always wanted to do something surrounding this character and when I started talking about her with Hayden Blackman uh, we started trying to figure out well what what kind of world would this she live in and the the ideas started coming from that those conversations um, and we developed it uh, side by side um, and we we came up with the initial uh, world and the basic story that we wanted this to tell in this world, uh, I guess, easily 10 years ago. I mean, we were discussing it before we even did Batwoman. Um, and then the plan was for when Batwoman was over uh, to move on to this, actually. Uh, and I had already been discussing with uh, Image at that point, possibly taking it to them. And um, But then, you know, Neil approached us uh for salmon overture and everyone you know hayden and you know eric stevenson over image you know was basically no you need to you need to do sandman and (laughs) 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 which i you know i i can't disagree with that uh and uh so we you know put it off further um but now that's you know now it's on to fully create our own stuff and that's where my focus will primarily be for the foreseeable uh, future. Well, and that's great, right? For, for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, we, we've been fortunate enough to, to, to know a lot of uh, creators that, that have done really well at uh, a creator own, in particular the image model. And uh, I think it's exciting to think about, um, you know, what you can do in that environment where you get to sort of be unbridled and free and take your time and, and make, make the book that you want to make without, uh, you know, the, uh, the pressures of sort of a, a, a more, an overarching editorial mandate or, or, uh, you know, hard and fast every 30 day deadlines. Um, right. And, and, and my hopes are, you know, that people will be hopefully pleasantly surprised by the content versus what I've done in the past, you know, much in the same way as, 
you know, Desolation Jones was very different than Promethea, and then mm-hmm. Batwoman was very different than Desolation Jones, and then Sandman was very different from Batwoman. They all seem to have similar aesthetics in terms of perspectives of reality um, and some fantasy elements. I mean, Batwoman showed just how much of a fantasy nerd I can be. Um, so it will relate to to those other projects in those terms about dealing with the fantastical and and uh, creating different realities. Um, but hopefully the content and the type of story it is and the way it functions and moves, will, people will feel like it's, you know, oh, we hadn't really seen something like this from, from Mr. Williams before. Uh, that's the best I can hope for. And that's kind of what I want every time I do a new project is to sort of re re-engage myself in a way I hadn't before. Right. While we're on the subject, you mentioned um, setting up a, a new reality. In the past, you've worked with a number of self-styled magicians, so to speak. Alan Moore, uh, Grant Morrison, who um, used that term not in the, you know, you want to see me pull a rabbit out of the hat. They they use it in, in, in the old way with the K. And uh, I have to say, while I have you here, I believe you have single-handedly elevated the art form. Um, in terms of your layouts, to me, there is a magical thinking at work in these layouts that goes beyond the elements of design. There's, a, there's an intent behind them, um, a, a sort of... Um, you know, call it what you will, sacred geometry. There's a, there's a very deft and and meaningful placement of your elements in in your your layouts that to me seem like there's something far more going on than just like I said, the elements of design. You're working towards something in your layouts. Am, am I off base on this? Uh, I think you're very gracious in your in your assessment. Um, but I can see what you, what you mean. Um, uh, thank you for the, for the kind words about that. Um, I guess what I'm always after, I, you know, my time on Promethea couldn't help, but had a huge impact on me and, and Alan's, uh, theories and ideas based on metaphysics and, and the nature of the universe. Right. Um, the I kind of was interested in some of that stuff even before coming along to work on Promethea, but Promethea, in a way, kind of focused and idealized a lot of things for me um, on the nature of perception of reality, I guess you could say. And I kind of feel like, with comics being such a unique visual storytelling form that the, the pages don't have to just be storyboards. They don't have to just be, uh, you know, panel-by-panel panel sequences that just convey stuff that could turn, be turned into uh, another medium such as film. They can, they can go beyond that, um, whether it's superficial commentary on what is happening or an underlying uh, subliminal commentary or emotion that the scene might be about 
or even something I might not quite understand myself, but I am compelled to present it the way I'm presenting it for uh, a reason, you know, uh, sometimes I get it and sometimes I don't. And it's just very, um, it's like you said, it's definitely a metaphysical kind of thing. Um, an exploration about how stories can function and how they can affect you, uh, and affect your mind and perceptions of stories. Um, and that's one thing I guess is kind of different from with Echo Lands versus some of the other material that I've done. A lot of the other material I've done, a lot of the, the page designs have been, I would almost say, even though there's flow to them, that they're symmetry based. Um, where Echo Lands seems to be moving in a panoramic asymmetrical perspective um, and creating a different kind of feeling to it than maybe what I've done before. Right. Um, do you believe in the collective unconscious? Do you believe that yes, there's a... Yes. Uh, um, well, sorry. Uh, just a repository of knowledge somewhere um i who knows where that that we unknowingly tap into when in the cre in the creative process like sometimes you'll uh, you'll be at the drawing board and you lose all sense of time and place and and position and the the hand just goes and what's guiding that hand where does all that come from yes yeah definitely and that comes comes from in the writing process too, it, that mode of thinking makes me think of something that Alan referred to as—I don't know if this was a term he coined himself or not—but he referred to it as idea space. Right. And he and the knowledge, the idea of that is how one person creating something on one side of the planet might happen to come up with the same idea or similar idea as someone else on the other side of the planet at the same time. And it makes you have to at least ask the question, how, how is that possible? Um, you know, I can't, in my own opinion, definitively say that there is this thing, you know, that there's this space called that we can refer to as idea space as if these ideas are all out there in some way. Uh, and we're sort of accessing them. But at the same time, you have, when you look at the coincidences that happen creatively and the coincidences that happen even in ordinary lives and in the movement of nations and uh, societies, you have to think about, you know, is there is there some sort of metaphysical energy or something in, out in the universe that's trying to convey something to multiple people at the same time? You know, uh, yeah. I mean, you could we could go on about this one subject for the next half an hour for sure. Right. Just on this one little detail. <laughs> well, they do claim that quarks are linked across, you know, vast distances. So if quarks Correct. can do it, why can't people? Why can't brains Correct. do it? I mean, yeah. Well, when you they've discovered some particles that move through time and space that they believe actually are more like strings in a way, um, which may sort of like fibers to reality. Um, yeah, I, that's another thing I'm really 
into it, which I was actually quite the mathematician, uh, so I could study quantum physics. If I wasn't doing comics, that's what I wish I could do, was uh, quantum physics, but I just don't have the math capacity skills. Um, but it's something whenever I like to read about, we like to watch programs about it that go into into the depths of quantum theory and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the idea of, you know, some of the particles that have been studied where, you know, behave differently if you're watching it. Right. The observer. Yep. At it. Yep. Right. It's, is it a particle? Super is it a wave? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Can, can it exist in two locations at the same time? Yes. Yes. We've proven that. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's super fascinating. Um, and who's to say, you know, does any of those sort of quantum aspects to physics have an impact subconsciously on the human mind and how we try to understand ourselves and relate to the universe through story? Um, who knows at this point? Right. I mean, there's still so much yet to be discovered. How could it not? Everything has an impact, right? <laughs> sure. Sure. I mean, that's one of the things that's interesting about, um, you know, especially with comics and any, any creative form is, you know, the person behind the the creation, a lot of times for them, they're just, they're just in their own little room devising these ideas and putting them to paper or to film. And they're just doing what they want to do. And, and it's amazing how that sort of, thing once it can be released out into the world can kind of resonate and go beyond and affect people in ways that that person who created it had no inkling was even possible um yeah that's super fascinating um to think about you you had said something uh jh some time ago i, I think i remember where in in keeping with that idea that you had kind of thrown out this idea which stuck with me where you were like imagine Imagine a world where Superman wasn't created, and it would literally uh -huh. have changed the way our world is. I mean, quite literally, right? I mean, whether you want to call it the butterfly right. effect or what have you, like that, I, the very concept of Superman not existing, think of well, how, how many ways that would make our world a different place. And that, that's, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the metaphysical the metaphysical symbol of what Superman is and what he means to so many people, even on a superficial level, people are affected by the, what the symbol of that character. And if you had plucked that character out of our history, just that one little change, who knows what the effect could have been, you know, about that. It would change everything. And anybody who had been in contact with the ideals of what Superman might represent to them, would no longer, those ideals would no longer exist. Or perhaps it might have been replaced by something else that was even more profound or less profound. Who knows? Right. Now imagine a world in which Superman does exist and you have millions and millions of minds fixated on the, quote, fictitious character of Superman. Why can't that Superman, because of all these minds thinking on one thing, why can't that Superman become real? Um, well, I mean, that's the next logical. 
the fact that he exists in comics and in film and books these days, who's to say that isn't real? That that that's not his mm-hmm. existence. Who's oh, his dimension that is two right. D. Yeah, right. How he yes. ma- right. That's, that's how yeah. he manifests. And that well, that's what of something else that Alan had said, where <laughs> the idea of the god is the god. Right. The fact right. that you thought of it makes it brings it into existence. Whether you can tangent, you know, um, physically touch it or not, or it's a br- living, breathing thing being standing next to you, doesn't necessarily discount you know, its existence if it's only on paper or in the imaginations of humans. Right. Kind of like what Grant did with Animal Man. How yeah, he could see of. the reader from the, the dimension of the paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, I love this yep. stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what you just said, J.H., uh, is 100% true. I mean, it just speaking personally, I mean, I'm I'm an atheist, but, I mean, my, my wife is Catholic, and my kids are being raised Catholic, and I often people often ask me like how do you juxtapose that and i just the way you just said which is that i may not believe in god as a sort of physical manifestation or a being that exists in in a reality but but i can't deny that 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 god as a concept is as powerful as as if he was a physical being to most people that i come in contact with because they 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 believe in him and they believe in 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 him you know what i mean in the concept so inherently it really doesn't matter like it yeah, the fact that the fact that 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 people give the the name or the concept power is in and of itself no different than as if for most people it wasn't you know an other otherworldly superpowered being of some sort. It, it's all really the same. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and unfortunately, the biggest proof of that um, in terms of the influence of the idea of a god is in just how much damage has been done to the world in the, in the name of religion. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Right. That's proof of, of power. Uh, cause it's the trend. It's the translation of the ideas that affect people into making decisions and acting on those decisions and, and the ideas in their head. So does that, does that prove that there's some, you know, uh, superpowered all-knowing thing out in the universe that's directing everything no but it is proof of the idea of it existing having influence over the direction of societies um in very profound ways unfortunately uh, a lot of it negative um uh you know there's there's i don't want to be um put, putting down people's beliefs because i mean there's you know a lot of people have gotten positive things out of having those beliefs in in something like that um as well it's just you know i can't help but feel like the negative has had such a you know destructive force on the planet outweighing much of the good in my opinion yeah it 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 is a it is a, a conundrum that Probably will stand the test of time. I guess it already has stood yeah. the test of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, I, I have a question. It's a little, little. I mean, it's 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 a little tangential, but it's it's about your process in another way, which is that, um, you know, as, as just a, as as someone that that doesn't that is not an artist, but but who who loves, in, in particular, the artistic part of comics, and, and why I'm 
always drawn to it. Um, when I look at your work, I, I, I think oftentimes, uh, how in the hell like, did you come up with this? But, but what, what I'm getting at is that, is that, um, you know, you've been very open about the complexity of your process and obviously use many mediums and you're always trying to challenge yourself. And that can lead to, um, you know, it taking sometimes uh, even, I think you said a, a week to do like a two page spread, which is understandable. But what I'm getting at is, is how often in your process are you sort of ripping up, mentally ripping up ideas and starting over? Um, like where you're just like, you're going a direction and then you're like, no, I, I, I want to just, I want to, that's not right. I want to take it over. I mean, or, or do you sort of start with a kernel and just build off of it and then just trust yourself? And usually it ends up uh, the way it ends up without any sort of start over. Yeah. I, um, uh, I, as far as physical work, I think I maybe have destroyed, I don't know, I, I, only a handful of pieces where I, I said, this completely sucks. It's got to go. Let's burn it. Um, most of the time, uh, I force my way through whatever it is I'm working on. Um, I don't do thumbnails. Um, I, I used to do them a long time ago, but then I started feeling like I was too... <clears throat> whatever goes on in, in my brain and my mental processes, if I would do a thumbnail, I would find myself, when I'm doing the final work, um, too married to the thumbnail. So what might be working in the thumbnail isn't working on the actual page. And, and then I would sit there and fight with it to try to make it fit like the thumbnail. And that, and I just got frustrated. So I, I ditched the thumbnail and just keep a mental thumbnail in my head of here's, like you said, the kernel of the idea. And then I just, I just let it go. And if it starts to transform into something else than what I'm seeing in my head, then that, then that's when, <clears throat> the art or the, the visual flow of the story is telling me what it's supposed to be. And I try to listen to that. I listen to my gut and just go with my instincts on that. Um, and that's sort of, a, you know, <coughs> excuse me, is a bit of a risk in, you know, by the time I'm done with it, is it is it functioning as well as it possibly could? I'm sure there's quite often, you know, the answer would be no. Um, but I'd rather go through that process and let it guide me rather than me try to, trying to guide it so much, um, which might surprise some people considering how much um, I rely on the comics page carrying messages or having underlying themes or sim symbology into the way things are laid out. But that kind of maybe goes back to some of the earlier discussion about the metaphysics of creating art and kind of just letting you, you yourself be open to the process of what it's telling you it should be. Um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Um, uh, and I also think like, you know, if I, you know, if I make mistakes on a page and I see the mistakes on the page, you know, I either find a way to make it not a mistake anymore that I sort of I work around it or I live with it. I, I accept it and move on and say, okay, I see what those flaws are. Let's see if I can not do that the next time. Um, and I think I do that because if I, if I tried to restart over and over again, you would never see anything come out. It would, mm -hmm. you know, right. it, it would never, I th it never happen because I, like, the I only person that can, see the the flaws are, is you 
from <laughs> I, I would guess from from all our vantage points, the work is is pretty darn flawless. I mean, <laughs> here, here. <laughs> it, it, um, Overture is is jaw dropping. I mean, just to think that there one creative individual created this, and the the range of styles and and mediums. It's uh, it, it's a virtuoso performance and i i constantly go back to it the the fold out my god man <laughs> <laughs> thanks ah. yeah though i mean i mean of course it's all due to being inspired by the astounding neil gaiman i mean if it wasn't for his craftsmanship and his his own openness to letting it be what it's going to be and and seeing where we could take it you know that whenever you have that kind of inspiration from uh the written material uh you can you know it sounds weird to say but how can you not make it the best thing you can possibly make it um uh you know that's the wondrous thing and and the luxury I've had in my career working with some of the writers that I've worked with is that they've all kind of <clears throat> kind of understand that and want to produce the best work that they can um, and try to move the needle creatively. And when I'm getting material like that from this wide range of, of authors, it's only going to inspire me to to push myself further because I, for one, I want to be challenged by them, but at the same time, my goal is to, to understand what they're after and then turn in something that they're going to be happy with. So if, if I'm making them happy, that's all I care about. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's sort of how that works for me. Let's just call it a duet. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> JH, you know when you um, when you when you guys were, uh, were 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 killing it on uh, well, Detective and then Batwoman, but you know collectively, sort of the the, the Batwoman period of time over multiple books. Um, one thing that struck me, you know, thinking back on it now, is that um, you know we're in this strange time. We meaning like the comics industry, where it's uh, it's it's almost become like a microcosm of of our society right now, where there's these really polarizing. I would dare say, um, like fringe viewpoints on the ends of the extremes, where you've got like these these, you know, you've got people debating about whether diversity is. It's the dumbest thing ever. I mean, there's like a debate where some people are arguing diversity is hurting comics, which is the silliest thing ever, and then you've got other people yeah. who are saying diversity is the savior for comics, which I also think is probably equally silly because you know comics have their own. The comics market is its own thing with. You know that won't be saved by one one thing or killed by one thing, but but I, I bring this up because I, I was thinking back in anticipation of you coming on and realizing that you know you all you and Greg and, and Hayden and you know with 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 Kate Kane, I mean you 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 did a book that was certainly um, by all definitions would sort of hit the check boxes of what people are hoping to see from a diverse book these days. I mean she was a lesbian character, a strong lead character who was a lesbian, but the thing about it, though, and I think the thing that shouldn't be lost is that the book was a great book 
on all facets. It was a fantastic story with tight dialogue, great scripts, and incredible visuals. Um, it, it frankly, for some who care, it, it fit into continuity. And in as much as I think, since it's a superhero book, that matters to people. So it was a book that 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 um, helped spread diversity, but uh, but within the context of it being a great book, um, you know, a great project. And and so I, I wonder if you you know had some time away from that, if if you reflect on on what you guys did there, and 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 if there's any maybe lessons or perspectives to be learned with where we are today with creators that are maybe listening that, that, you know, with the idea of, of, you know, diversity is, is a component of the rubric of, of comics, but it's, you know, but it, it, it can or shouldn't be forced for the sake of it. It should just be sort of a natural part of, 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 of broadening this, this universe of, of superherodom that I guess we all fell in love with, you know, many, many decades ago. I don't know if you ever thought about it one way or the other, but it just it struck me that you guys were doing this in a really almost near everybody talked about it every day. Oh, are you there? You broke yes. up for a second. Can you yeah. repeat that last bit? Oh, sorry. Um, no, I was just saying if 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 you really have any thoughts about uh, the fact that you know you guys were doing this, you were you were creating and adding to the tapestry of diversity. Ten years ago, before it was really a thing that was essentially a hot button issue on the minds of everybody in the business. Um, well, I mean, I guess the first thing I, I'd like to say about the whole argument over diversity in, in comics, of course, like you mentioned, it's it's not the savior of comics, but if comics and 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 any stories actually um if diversity is not considered but as you said handled in a natural way that serves the story lack of diversity i think is a failure um because stories should represent everybody uh in some form or another i you know but at the same time, you know, you don't want to tell a story where you're shoehorning something in just for the sake of it. It has to, you know, it, if you're going to have diversity in your stories, you have to make sure it functions realistically and um, uh, feels right and, and is in working for the greater whole of what you're trying to do. Um, also, I think a big part of it is... Um, Everything I've worked on, even when I'm not the writer on a project, I've always kind of felt like the characters I'm, I'm handling, they're real. They exist. They are people. And when you take that perspective of them, it sort of, I, in my, you know, my own view is that it, it forces you to write, write things or look at things in, in a different way than just you know, telling some, you know, flashbang story, you're wanting, then, then you start, when you start looking at them as real people, you have to, that changes everything about how you handle different scenes or how the character might think or behave, uh, depending on the circumstances. And Kate Kane's a great example of that, you know, um, we're talking about a character that as a child, you know, was involved in this, this kidnapping event um, and lost her sister or thought she had lost her sister. Um, and 
as a child, you know, that made us think of PTSD. Um, and I, we kind of felt like that's kind of a very realistic thing for someone like Kay Kane and how that's affected her from her whole life forward. Every, everything was based, all of her decisions became based on what that felt like as a child. Um, and therefore, because of that, that psychological issue, it would affect m many of her decisions in ways that she might not even realize it's, it's happening. And that's one of, one of the reasons why we wrote a lot of the material um, the way we did. Um, and then you got to think about when she finally did find out her sister was alive only to see that something's happened that, that has made her sister possibly insane um, and a murderer um, <clears throat> to have to confront that and possibly, you know, and then the crescendo of that is her sister falls off this plane up in the sky and she thinks she's lost her all over again. Um, that it just adds to that PTSD or, uh, uh, yeah, PTSD. Uh, I always get those letters mixed up. Um, that it just adds to the, her, her psychological of, um, problems and that colors her decisions from that point forward. Um, You know, so, you know, and I think by showing that and taking it from that point of view, it, it shows that we're, the character is a human being. Um, and that's the thing with, you know, even with, you know, comics and particularly superhero comics, I think is really important to remember. And you're going to get the most juice out of your stories is always treat them as if they're real people, as if they could be somebody standing right next to you, no matter how fantastically powered they might be. They all have to experience the world in in emotional terms, just as you do. So, without question, that that's fantastic. To, I mean, to hear you say that, and I, I wonder too when you because you've you, you mentioned that uh, that uh, and not surprisingly that, that your time with with Alan on Promethea couldn't help but have had a massive impact on on uh, what came after. Um, but I would imagine it's true in a sense of, of every project that you as an artist take on. So when when Greg, you know, for his own reasons, obviously we don't need to rehash, that's his story to tell, left DC at that, that time, and I know he's come back since, but when he left, um, and then, you know, that led to you taking over the writing duties, um, was that something, um, were you, did, did, was it your idea, did you lo lobby for that? Was it, Were you looking for, uh, an opportunity to to write as well as draw comics, or did was it just that your connection to that particular character at the time it just became sort of a natural thing? Like, okay, you know what, this is the time I'm gonna I'm gonna take a foray and continue this character's life. Well, when because Hayden and I always wanted to do something, you know, together. Mm -hmm. uh, there was at one point we had a meeting. We had made a trip to New York. To, and we ended up talking to, I think, Dan DeDio about doing a world's finest story. And Hayden and I thought, hey, it would be really cool to do, you know, a Batwoman, Wonder Woman team up and call it World's Finest. And we thought, you know, maybe that could be a miniseries. Um, and this was before the whole idea came up about Batwoman having her own regular book. Um, and... 
and I think at that point we weren't sure what Greg was going to do yet. Um, and then, you know, everyone seemed to really like that idea. And then Greg ended up making his decision to leave DC. And then I'm getting a phone call from DC about it and they're offering me to take it over. And my first instinct was to actually talk to Greg before making that decision because, um, you know, he, his, his friendship matters and I didn't want to feel like I'd be stepping on his toes. Um, and so I gave him a call and said, you know, this is, this is what's happening. They're offering me this. And of course, you know, he's, you know, feeling a lot of emotion about it because he was having, you know, his own concerns at the time. But he also was straight up and professional and said, look, Jim, you have to take that. You have to take that opportunity. Um, and that's pretty much the reason why I ended up doing it. Um, I wouldn't, if he had felt otherwise, I don't think I would have done it because it would, I would have felt like that have been disrespectful. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, because um, I understood his position. And so, uh, but with his blessing, you know, he said, yeah, you know, you have to take it. And, and then, you know, and I cared about the character. And, um, and that's when I turned to Hayden and said, hey, you know, uh, this is what's happening. You know, will you do this with me? And, and so uh, that's how it moved forward. And then some of the ideas we were thinking about for the Batwoman Wonder Woman thing ended up uh, in the main series by you know by the third arc there for World Finest. And some of the ideas we had thought of that would happen there kind of got pulled early into the series as well. No doubt. Um, when you uh, when you when you left D- DC, um, I, I know there was some talk about uh, um, a new version of Promethea, the Immateria edition, um, which uh, sounded really cool at the time. If I'm not mistaken, it was like you were saying was going to be a landscape, right? Where so we sort of have a better way to visually present your. D- d- is that uh, sort of in the ether now? Do you know? I mean, are we ever going to see it? And I'm asking just as a, a fan of the work and a consumer, I'd love to know that someday I'm going to get my hands on that version because it seemed like something you were pretty excited about. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see it. Um, it was something that Scott Doombeer, uh, back when he was still at Wildstorm, uh, had thought about doing, and he actually built a book map for it. Um, but then it kind of dried up for whatever reason. And then, uh, and then somehow it sort of came up again. I, I don't remember specifically specifically how but the idea of it came up again around the time of working on uh, on Batwoman and to the extent we actually saw a dummy copy made of what it would possibly look like um, and it was going to be I mean we were going to go all out to the extent that issue 12 that is the originally was meant to be published like in an, an accordion fold we were going to actually do that. Um, oh, man. Things like that. Pre- present the material the way we had originally intended it to be seen. Um, and then, you know, doing it in landscape style would also change the way you take in the material, too, which I thought would have been interesting. 
Um, <clears throat> and then, so plans started moving forward uh, as I was working on Sandman, the beginning of Sandman. Uh, but Sandman was taking up a lot of time. Everyone was concerned about the schedule and the new material I would have had to produce for the landscape book would have been close to doing like, I don't know, I guess eight new covers, I guess you could say, um, just for, for, you know, uh, new covers and slipcase and all that jazz, let alone any design work. Um, and so they ended up saying, Hey, we'll, we'll wait till Sandman is over and then we'll, we'll, we'll do this. We'll put this on the schedule. And I was like, great, that makes sense. Uh, and then Sandman ended, and they kind of just pulled the plug. Um, oh, for whatever reason, I, I I can't, to their motives or their excuses, I don't have any real information from them about as to the whys. Um, you know, everyone knew up front when we were talking about doing it uh, at the beginning of Sandman, um, that would be an expensive undertaking. It would not be a cheap book, but it would be the definitive version of the material and probably would change people's ideas of what a collected edition can possibly be. I mean, it would have been, from a design point, a game changer, I feel like. Oh, you're, you're um, speaking my language here. Oh, <laughs> my heart. Yeah. Um, but I... I I don't know. I don't know the full reasons or the extent of why it's not happening. I, you know, I would hear from fans, you know, asking the same questions, and I would just turn, you know, say, you need to direct your questions to DC because I can't answer it. Um, you just have to demand it. Uh, but at this point, I hate to say this, but I just have no faith whatsoever it will ever happen. Uh, oh, well. Now, okay. Obviously, you maybe they'll surprise me next year. I don't know. That okay, so sure, I'm, it will be the 20th anniversary. So. I, I'm curious if and if it if if it's a sort of subject. Obviously, we 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 can skip it. But with the Prometheus connection, um, the uh, obviously you you would like to be treated. The way, just just like your conversation with with, with Greg regarding Batwoman, uh, and then, unless I'm mistaken, I believe you found out just like most of us fans did that DC wanted is going to bring Promethea into um, have her appear in a Justice League comic. If if in any case um, that causes interest in the character, and knowing you have your image work ahead of you uh if they decide at that point okay you know what now we really have something on our hands we should get that ball rolling again um are you open to it or or has, has that door kind of closed oh that's tough um i don't want to speak uh derogatorily i will say that for me to be involved in something like that at this point dc is aware of certain concessions I've asked for. Okay. Um, and um, at this point in time, I don't have the impression they're willing to go there. And that's what it is. I, there's, it's it's unfortunate. Um, and, uh, you know, it has a lot to do with 
um, Promethea itself uh, is a sticking point. Um, and like you said, the way we, way I found out about her inclusion into the DC universe um, was shocking. Um, and, you know, they've made some assurances to me that, you know, if she's going to make appearances again, uh, I'll at least be informed ahead of time. Okay. Um, but I kind of feel like what Alan and I did there is such a personal work. Um, I really would like to have some consultation um, in how the character is presented. Um, Alan doesn't want anything to do with it. Right. Sure. I've spoken to him directly. Stunned. Um, right. <laughs> he's washed his hands of it. He basically told me to handle it how I want, and I've conveyed to DC what I want. <clears throat> um, and I just don't, I don't see them willing to make that concession at this point in time um, or in the near future. I mean, that could change. I don't know. It depends right. on, you know, with the 20th anniversary coming up next year, you know, maybe they will have a change of heart. Um, and uh, I would let them know that in order for me to, to feel like I can move forward with them, um, I, I, I need them to step forward and show that they want to work with me in the future. So that makes sense. <clears throat> Before we uh, wrap up, I, I, I thought it would be cool for, um, you know, there are definitely plenty of people in our audience that are aspiring or, or, or relatively new creators out there. And I think that, um, you know, we, we often hear that uh, there's no two ways to get into this business. And I think because of uh, your well-deserved reputation at this point for the work that you've done, you know, people probably don't know or remember, you know, your beginnings of, of getting into this business and, and probably assume when they see the work you're putting on the page now that it was a, you know, a, a quote unquote easy process because you're you. Um, but, you know, if I'm not mistaken, and I, I just, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. You, you had a, you you busted you know your ass sort of uh, pounding the pavement to to try and get into the business, uh, probably not dissimilar to a, a lot of folks. And uh, it, it I think it'd be refreshing for for uh, for for those out there that are you know trying to find their way to to, to maybe hear that story um, in, in your words because I, I think it's it's certainly um, I think it's encouraging that, that that all things are possible. Yeah, I mean, I I would have to say if I was trying to get into the industry today at the level of my abilities back then I think I would have a very hard time I think the industry is harder to get into now than when it was when I was trying to get in and it was very difficult then so anyone who wants to do comics for a career you know it it's just a matter of it's diligence you just have to fight for it you have to be hungry for it and when I was first coming up, <clears throat> it's funny because, like, when I look at that old work that I was doing, I tell myself today I don't know how anyone allowed me to be published back then. <laughs> um, it was pretty bad stuff. Um, but we all got to start somewhere. Um, and, uh, you know, I think what people need to learn today or understand today, and it's just as true today as it was back then, is it's a matter of diligence and, and hard work and, ha and willing to 
to um, put up with a lot of sacrifice. You know, in the early days when I was trying to do this, I was working a full-time day job and a full-time night job, and that full-time night job was comics, and I didn't get paid for it. Um, I, you know, you go for a long time where you're not really making any money doing this. Um, and, and it's, it's terrible that, you know, things are that way where it's the whole term, you have to pay your dues concept, but that's just the reality of where things are. And, um, if you really want to do comics, um, or any creative endeavor, probably, uh, you just have to be willing to put in the time and treat it like a job, like a real job, even if you're not getting any money for it. Um, by showing that diligence and commitment, it shows the, that you have fire in you to do it. And eventually it will pay off. Eventually you'll get where you need to go. Uh, but you have to be patient about it, be willing to put in that work. I mean, I think I did that game for early on a good two or three years where I wasn't really, you know, making any money off of it. Um, and it was a second full-time job where, you know, uh, that's just what you have to do. Uh, I don't know how else to explain it. Um, and, you know, as far as being an artist trying to get in, you know, I think for writers it's tougher. Uh, but for an artist, um, you know, you got to work every day, study every day, uh, at the craft of doing it, um, that's the only way you're going to get better. Um, is constantly, constantly push yourself and, you know, understand that the, all the time that you're sacrificing to do it is because it's something that you love and you're doing it for that purpose. Um, and, uh, I think that's where, where it's going to make the difference for a lot of people. Um, you know, it's not one of those, comics is not one of those things where you can just do it halfway. Uh, if you just do it halfway or only half-heartedly, even though you've got an extreme amount of talent, it's not going to, it's not going to take you where you want to go. Um, you know, it, it's just, that's the way it is. It's tough. Uh, but it's possible. It can be done. Mm. You know, you see new talent coming in, coming into the industry all the time. So, um, I, another thing people need to do is, you know, get their work in front of as many people as possible. Uh, don't be afraid to insert yourself, um, into, into conversations. If someone, you know, you're taught, you're going to a convention, you're talking to a group of people, be willing to show your work to whoever is willing to look at it. Um, and you never know what will happen by doing that. Uh, and, and be willing to take the criticisms of whatever it is that you're doing as well as the praise of whatever you're doing um, both and treat them both with equal weight. Um, you take it where, you know, you take it as a grain of salt. You know, either it's, you know, it's something that can apply to you or not apply to you, but um, you, you can't um, rely on others' opinions about it other than seeing if there's ways that you can learn from what they're saying, if that makes sense. Fantastic. Well, I, um, I, I, I'll let my, uh, my co-hosts and partners, uh, say their bit too, but let me just personally thank you so much for, uh, 
for taking the time to chat with us today. Uh, it's 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 been a real treat um, to hear your perspective, and certainly um, you know getting back to sort of the start of it. it uh, just one last time for, for the listeners, remember that um, I think Final Order Cutoff is in a week and a half for Where We Live, which is the name of the anthology that uh, J.H. and Wendy uh, curated uh, through Image Comics with all the proceeds going to support the uh, survivors and the the, the uh, victims' families of, of that awful, awful shooting that took place last year. And... Uh, so we you know we we look forward to supporting that and and again thanks thanks again so much for uh, for giving us your time tonight. Oh, my pleasure and uh, thanks for understanding my long rants. Uh, I can go on and on sometimes. So, <laughs> well, if you ever feel like doing it again, let us know. <laughs> sure thing. Maybe we, you know when Echo Land is going to uh, finally launch, we we should set something up. It's a date. Uh, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And um, I'd like to thank Wendy, too, for, for being here. Uh, <laughs> sorry, we kind of... We're covering it. We, we, we took it in a... Who's been sitting here listening to me ramble? <laughs> <laughs> but it was an amazing experience. Thank you both. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you for covering the book. It's uh, very generous, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, we really appreciate the support. Oh, it's 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 our pleasure. It's a great cause, so um, easy, easy thing to do. Thank great. you very much. Great. Have uh, an awesome be- night. Yes. Before you go, can we just uh, trouble you for an intro to use on a future episode where you just say? You know, I'm JH, I'm Wendy, this is what we do, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Sure. Yeah, anytime you're ready. This is JH. Okay, <laughs> this, is, this is JH Williams III. And Wendy Wright-Lynn. And you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Uh, listen to it often. Nice. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. It was a real pleasure. And um, as I said, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, when we have the episode posted, we'll send you a link. And uh, we'll also ping you on the, uh, when we get the, uh, the, uh, the little contest we're going to do with the listeners uh, to, to shout it out. So, um, yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Yeah. Cool. Probably right around on. 1 o'clock tonight. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Great. Okay. Have a great night. Have a great too. night. You too. Nice okay, to meet you. You, you too. Here. Bye. That was a lot of fun. That was very good. Yeah. Um, I wish we could have talked a little bit more about the magic, but um, I, I was getting a little bit upset that Wendy wasn't contributing, whether she didn't want to or we didn't offer her an opportunity, but she was just kind of like silent for the whole. We did kind of steal her husband for a little while. Yeah. There. Yeah. Uh, I think Vince, as I my my mission um because I wasn't sure how much beyond the uh the benefit book we'd be able to really get into. I don't know how much time we would have had. Um but I was I've had these four books, I have to get the fifth one. That's my mission for um Heroes is to find the fifth Promethea book. But I started uh reading the first book this week and and uh, i'm almost done with it so i have the other three to read um so i want to finish these before his next book starts so that when we do have him on um 
we can maybe kind of uh, triple team him on the Prometheus stuff. Yeah, Prometheus is pretty much a masterpiece. But I, I don't know why the hell it's taking me so long to read this damn thing. Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm a fool. You're not a fool. You're not. You're that. But yeah, sure. that, that was amazing. Um, what do we want to do here? We want to just. I, how do we follow that? Yeah. What, yeah. what can That's we follow? Thing, man. It's tough. It's tough to follow that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if maybe we should just keep it tight and right. I, I don't. I don't want to sully it. it it's one yeah, of those things exactly. where it's. It's. We could. We could do our usual shenanigans, which may. Um, you know what? And granted, what? we we were after the interview, so we may have people who stopped listening at this point. But mm-hmm. um, I want it's names. The, the, the foolish ones. But the but you know it's it's we could just you know hey here here it is for everybody. J H Williams and 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 his wife Wendy and um, enjoy. And by the way, when you're out and about, you may also want to check out something that each of us recommend so it, it, it's you know it's your guys's call i'm i'm cool with either way yeah i think we should bring it all home because you know what we have another one of these things to do this week wow thud cool yeah i mean i think that uh i think yeah this i think this will stand on its own it will that chat was 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 great i think it'll stand on its own okay hey remember who made this possible? Discount comic book service, dcbservice.com, dcb as in boy, service.com, where you can get the best books, all your favorite stuff for a fraction of the price. Avengers, for, oh, Jesus. Avengers. <laughs> oh, surrender. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, Augment. Thank you very much. Um, Avengers, no surrender for $25. Scotty Young. And Nick Klein's Deadpool number one for two forty nine, and Hellstorm, the thing that Jason felt the need to laugh at for yeah, thirty seven. Yeah. I don't get it for thirty seven fifty. He is young, almost too young to remember the book I'm going to talk about in my travels. In your travels, I implore you to get your asses out there and get. This book here that is called, well, it's written by Keith Giffen and Alan Grant. <laughs> the art is by Simon Bisley, Christian Alamy, Dennis Cowan, Kevin O'Neill. It is called Lobo, Volume 1. Who doesn't love Lobo, the main man? You guys are silent. How could you be silent when I'm talking Lobo? Well, you know my love for the dude, so it, there's there's nothing I can do that will. I, I'm I'm letting you roll with this. I do not have this volume. I know it just came out. I I don't have it. I, you do um, have it. You want me to tell you what it contains? Oh no, I, I've I've definitely read it. I did not due to the budget restrictions. I didn't order it the month it was solicited. So um, I'll be looking for it. I just don't have it yet. I haven't double dipped on it yet. I should say. Oh, okay. Well, it contains Lobo, the OG yep. miniseries, one to four. It contains Lobo's back and the Lobo paramilitary Christmas special. And it also contains a page from 
what was the DC who's who at the time, you get yeah. uh, an Ohatmu page. Um, and I think it may contain something else. Oh, it does. It contains Blazing Chain of Love. Ah, okay. Yeah. But, oh, wait, there's something else. There's more. I can't, I don't have my glasses on, so <laughs> I, I, I can't read the fine print on the damn page. Um, Lobo, Paramount, Sarah Christmas, Lobo's back, Lobo, Blazing Chains. Oh, Lobo Convention Special, number one. And the who's who. Um, I want to talk about this book not so much because of what it is, mm-hmm. which is comfort food, um, the comics equivalent of comfort food for me. Uh, it pushes all the right buttons, what with the connections to uh, Vril Docs and Legion. and mm-hmm. um, b- But if you look at the date uh, this stuff was released, the first Lobo miniseries was released in, I believe, 1992. Right? 91-92. Do the math. This predated Image Comics. Mm-hmm. And, and I think uh, Bisley and Giffen and Grant had a huge influence on the Image guys. Can you name me one character created by Rob Liefeld that isn't Lobo-esque? To some degree. Yeah, Oh jeez! I mean, once he left Marvel, yeah. image, image. Lobo is image. It's it's the image modus operandi. It's it's yeah, it's, it's the balls violent. To the wall. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. loud. It's in your face. It's irreverent. It it it's self self referential, um, mm-hmm. and it's fun. It's uh, there's a a a it's skewed more to the art. Then the the writing, I think, not so much in the first miniseries, but definitely in the second. Um, it, I think, this is Lobo is the precursor to uh, vintage OG image, and you should read it. Um, I, yeah, I don't got to give you the setup. Um, Robo's the last Zarnian. He's pissed off that someone has written a an unauthorized biography of him. Real mad. Um, but uh, Vril has a job for Lobo, and it's to escort a um, a prisoner. But what Lobo doesn't know is the prisoner is the very uh, person who wrote the unauthorized biography. It's his uh, old school teacher. And hilarity and carnage ensue. It's amazing. It's Simon Bisley, Alan Grant. Keith Giffen, you need to read this, especially you if, you, if you're an image fan. This will show you, I think, part of the reason why image did what they did. And it's because of Lobo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. The, uh, one day I will. Um, I don't know if alcohol will need to be involved, but I will. I will go on and on about my love for the main man and. I there is something about the that that's it's chaos, right? It's and, just chaos, and, and it's just it's there's so because it was 
the early nineties and, and, you know, Oh, dark Knight and Watchmen are so gritty. And, and, you know, it predates it by a few years, but, or at least that, that incarnation of, of Lobo, cause obviously the Omega men, but, uh, it was just so, it was a one eighty from just about everything else mm-hmm. I was reading, whether it was from the big two or the independents. Um, and it was, and it was actually from DC. It was in continuity. It was, this was a character who was unlike anything else, anyone else DC had. And, and I just, I, I ate it up with a spoon. I, I didn't, it, it just, it, oh, it, it was, it was, a, it was a warm fucking blanket. I loved everything yep. about Lobo and I, I, Oh, it overstayed its welcome, and it's just, and then it became a, a joke, and it, it's just there's, you know, I I loved those limited series. I I I enjoyed the ongoing, but it was it it was just seeing Bisley with 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 Giffen and Grant, and and just having them have fun and and take no prisoners, and just. It, it it hit me at the right time, and, and and I loved everything about it. Yeah, and you could you could argue that without Wolverine, there would be no Lobo. And you just I, took the words out of my mouth. I will concede that the main man does owe a little bit to Lobo to uh, to Wolverine, but more to the point, I think Deadpool owes his entire existence to Lobo. That's right. I said it. I don't know about entire. Most. Right. Most. The, the, yeah. the, uh, most of the bullets in, in Wade's clip are have the Lobo on them. Not all so of them. Some of them do have the death stroke, but yes. Yes. Okay. You're right. You're right. When you're right, you're right. Since they're, in air quotes, supposed to be cousins. Because okay. it's Slade and Wade Wilson, but yeah. But you know the 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 Elvis truckers yeah. and the Legion of Decency, um, the 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 Sons of Lobo, like all these groups are in the first miniseries. It's just amazing. It's and the text pieces. Oh my God, there there's faux pages from the autobiography or the, sorry the biography. There's Robo, Lobo's um, grade school report card. It's just great. It and. It, if you're looking to blow some some time and and you don't want to invest a whole lot of money, get this Lobo trade. It's it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I will say that uh, you're, you're totally not wrong about the the Deadpool, at least in terms of the um, like the spiritual component of it, the over the top. Because I mean, even um, God, what the hell was the name? I, there were uh, they they had Lobo in the Deadpool comic, uh, Dirty Wolf, Dirty Wolf. They 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 parodied they parodied. Lobo in the in the original series. It's um, a hard word to say. Parodied, it is. Parodied, yeah. parodied. Uh, but yeah, um, I must admit, I'm being quiet because I I don't dislike Lobo of what I've read of him, but I don't think I've read most of the. You need to read the, the early stuff. stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, that's you got to that get will it. that will if you read that will let me know if um the show will continue basically. But, well, that, but yes, it will. It, it will <laughs> let me know where you fall on the will, but it will let me know um, if reading whatever you read of Lobo today, um, mm-hmm. 
isn't isn't the same. So if you and granted, I mean, I don't know if it's well. I love. I mean, I loved him in in Rebels, which you guys said was relatively fair to the old yeah, school, right? Yeah. Not as not as over the top, but I loved right. him in Legion. Um, but in, and in those books, he was it was it was the team setting. He was he was more of. Um, right. Yeah, so it was. He wasn't toned down as much, but it's still it was it was a different setting. If if you read, mm-hmm. you know, just Lobo or, or Lobo's back, things like that, that will that's that's the essence for me. That's 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 the tr- true. What did you think of him in uh, Fifty Two? Because that's probably the first thing I've ever read of his. He, that was, I don't. I think watered down might be the wrong word. Yeah, but yeah. is it's it's close to it's 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 not it's not the same. He he he's wearing his clothes, but there's there is something he's he's toned down a bit. That was the family friendly Lobo. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. yeah. He didn't he didn't cut anybody's legs off <laughs> in that one. You know? He wasn't as, he wasn't as crude as he could right. have been. If, if if Starfire was in his book. As opposed to him being in a story that's trying to rebuild without the the, the Trinity, um, things would be quite different. Now, are we back to original oversized Crazy Lobo, or are we still with uh, no, Emo Lobo? Is, yeah, Emo is, I think, gone. No, the Colin Bunn Lobo is gone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because Lobo's in Justice League of America. Yes. Cool. Yeah, he's on Batman's team, yeah. Oh, you did my heart good, Vince. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, in your travels, um, real quick, uh, not the main thing, but just 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 an aside. Uh, make sure you read Amazing Spider-Man seven ninety eight. I did not yet, dude. I know. Read it for I, next episode. Okay. Uh, when we record uh, well, Sunday, you mean? Yeah, I don't. It's WrestleMania. Is that, yeah, is that going to be a solo episode? Oh, are you serious? You're not going to record because of WrestleMania. I won't um, be home. You know that two of your two co-hosts are wrestling fans. <laughs> I won't be home, man. We'll figure what it if, out. Whatever. Okay. okay. So yeah, we, we we got a couple <laughs> days to talk about. Um, Welcome to behind the scenes. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jage. So the uh, the main thing in your travels. I read this last night. Um, I was cataloging. I was, I was putting I, stacks of unread DCBS books. I was I've been finally cataloging them so I can box them up and, and well uh, organize them so this way I can read them as 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 we prepare to move so I can box things up. But one of the items um, that I had buried under a stack, I read. I, I talked about the first volume. A couple months ago, uh, this is uh, from Alberto Veranda, uh, Little Perot, Volume Two, Amongst the Stars, and uh, it's still it's very much like the first volume. Um, there's a little bit of a, of a Calvin and a Hobbes uh, atmosphere uh, with 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 Little Perot and, and his friend Mister Snail. Uh, there are some the, the art is absolutely stunning i love the line work still do um he is uh there seems to be a crush on a little girl in this book who's very cute uh he has a uh, he also has uh, perot's heart kind of belongs to to the moon um 
there are a lot of um, panels or strips that deal with uh, him trying to reach the moon or um, flying towards the moon. And, and there's amongst the stars is, is very much uh, uh, truth in advertising with, with this volume, but it, it is from, um, it is from Lion Forge, uh, their cup house imprint. And the, uh, yeah, originally published, uh, in French, actually, uh, 2011. But it is, there are a lot of one panel gags. There are some, uh, there are anywhere from, from two to, to five panel gags. I'm still going to just talk about the art is absolutely amazing. There's one, there's a couple of pages where he is writing a book and the, the, um, the cross hatching with, with shadows, uh, is just, is, is intense, but it's, it's a cute book. It's, it's a hardcover, uh, not a lot of pages. It, it, this isn't the kind of book where I could kind of like, you know, tell you about the story or anything like that. It's, it's definitely something though that, uh, I think, um, yeah, just over 50 pages. It's, it's, it's kind of reading to your kid bedtime material. It, it's just, um, but I think you could really get lost in the, um, in the illustrations in this book. So, uh, amongst the stars, volume two of little Perel for in your travels. Excellent. And in your travels, uh, just following up on what we talked about during the interview, uh, the crux of tonight's show was to chat with J.H. and Wendy about uh, the upcoming anthology, Where We Live, by Image Comics. And uh, as we mentioned during the chat, um, much love to the Merklers, who uh, graciously agreed to partner with us on an idea where we are going to um, give away 10 copies of the anthology uh, to... 10 of you lovely listeners and here's how you can become eligible. So uh, after you hear this, if you want to be eligible to receive one of the 10 copies, you can go on uh, any social media platform um, that uh, we are on. So the Twitters, the Facebooks, uh, the, the Instagrams, I guess the snaps. Are we on Snapchat, David? I don't even know where Snapchat is. No. All right. So no Snapchat. F -F Snapchat. So Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, If you want to be eligible, go on one of those platforms or all three. Um, Mention, uh, provide a link or a picture of or some kind of uh, promotion for uh, where we live, either through the Image Comics solicit or JH's website um, or our our page, um, provide that link, you know, shout out the book, uh, and then tag, uh, either tag the show. So it would be 11 o'clock comics on Twitter, uh, or tag us on Facebook and, or tag one of us. Um, and everyone that does that, 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 uh, shouts out the book on social media and tags us in the process will become eligible for one of the 10, uh, volumes. So, uh, and remember, uh, just as uh, they said in our chat, the uh, the final order cutoff 
for stores to be able to place this order is at the end of next week. And uh, it hits the shelves at the end of May. So uh, this is uh, time is of the essence. So we'll be looking for you to be doing this in the next uh, you know couple days, say week, um, and then we'll we will uh, go about picking the winners um, after that. But probably not until um, the book is in hand, so that we don't have to uh, worry about that. But uh, but to be eligible, you got to get that shout out in your travels over the next week. That's a good thing you've done. It's a good thing they've done. Yes, a, I mean we we we're, we're just we're a small little cog in the in the grand wheel. You see what I gave you? <laughs> you're, you're you are such a giver. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we hope you've enjoyed this. Thank you very much to J J H Williams the third and his wife Wendy. Uh, Please, please uh, peruse, uh, investigate, research the Where We Live anthology. Do what Jason says to do, and maybe you can win one if you haven't ordered it already. Um, And be here next time, because we'll be waiting. You know who it's going to get, you know what. If you're not, you know what. Mm. Say goodnight. Toothy, are you kidding me, David? Good night, Toothy. Sweared, David. Nice. We love you so much. Be back here. We will be waiting for you. Go kiss somebody or hug somebody <laughs> you love, and uh, just come back. Bye. There's latest. Latest potatoes. 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 Boil and mash up. Stick them to Steve. You know, there's sometimes I just sit around and wonder about what is and what would never be. But you know, I'd much rather find myself lost out on the sweet nights of mystery.
moment of intuition and clarity. Just one fine, fine moment, baby. That's all I'll ever do.